0: Welcome to the podcast series from the National Centre for Research Methods at the University of Southampton. In today's podcast, Chris Garrington talks to Patrick Sturgis from NCRM about new research on attitudes towards complementary and alternative medicines.
1: This research is part of a larger project that uh, I've been carrying out with colleagues from the the University of Essex and uh, funded by the the Wellcome Trust. And what we're interested in is people's use of complementary and alternative medicine, but not just their use of it, their beliefs about its uh, effectiveness and their, their motivations more broadly than uh, than people have probably looked at in the past, um, we're also interested in how people 's beliefs about efficacy of uh, alternative medical treatments kind of align with other aspects of their belief systems, particularly their attitudes towards science and their religious orientations.
0: An interesting um, approach then but how is this different from the sort of research that's gone before given that this is indeed a very high profile and often controversial subject?
1: What we've tried to do is I think dig a little deeper into the I guess the survey methodology that underpins our understanding of population uh, level use of uh, complementary alternative medicines. A lot of research in the past has used what we call convenience samples which are just samples of people who kind of maybe turn up at a clinic or something like that, whereas the research that we're doing is is based on random samples of of the general population. And we're also concerned with how we measure people's views about alternative medicine. In the past, researchers have, uh, I think naturally enough, tended to focus on questions which ask people about whether they've used A range of treatments over a particular period. And what we're questioning in this research is not whether that is a useful thing to do, which of course it is, but whether that really gets at people's underlying motivations for use of of complementary medicines. We think that people's motivations are perhaps more complex than has been credited in the past. Uh, And so that's what this research has been trying to do. We've been trying to ask questions in different ways and look at the correspondence between questions about people's use and people's views about efficacy and so on.
0: So that's a good point at which to ask you where you got your information from then. Was a specific? Uh, was there a specific set of data that you were able to look at or a range of data sets?
1: Yeah, I mentioned that the uh, research is funded by the Wellcome Trust. And this is data that's taken from the Wellcome Trust Monitor Survey This is a a large-scale survey of public attitudes, knowledge, engagement with science, and and particularly medical science. Um, It it takes place every three years. The first wave of this survey was carried out in, in 2009. Um, and that 's what this research is based on the two thousand and nine data. The second wave of the survey has just taken place in fact and, and uh, is going to be uh, available for, for researchers to work on in the near future but yes this is, this is a, a, a large scale survey representative of the of the u k population of adults and a really rich kind of resource for Uh, studying these kinds of issues.
0: Talk us through now what your main findings were.
1: What we uh, were interested in, as I say, was to look at the correspondence between um, use uh, of complementary and alternative medicines and views about efficacy. Um, Now, this is in some ways a difficult thing to ask about because what is a complementary and alternative medicine? Uh, views uh, differ and ha- how we define that is, is, is in some ways problematic. So the approach that we took was to ask about a particular and, if you like, com- particularly controversial type of complementary alternative medicine, homeopathy. So we asked people whether they had used homeopathy in the past, ever in their life, But we also asked people if they reported having used homeopathy, why they used it. We asked people who hadn't taken homeopathy uh, why they didn't use it. And we asked everyone what they thought about the effectiveness of homeopathic treatments relative to conventional medicine. And what we found was that there's actually quite a large discrepancy between reported use and beliefs about efficacy. And that is to say that there's quite a large group of homeopathy users who don't really regard it as as, as effective. <laughs> Strangely, should I say that the largest group is is a group who view it as less effective than conventional medicine. So they genuinely see it as an alternative, a complementary to conventional uh, medicines. But there's also a a small group of of homeopathy users who say they don't really regard it as as an effective treatment, which is somewhat uh, strange, if you like. And when we ask these people why they used it then, what they tend to tell us is, well, you know, there's no real risk here, the side effects are low, low risk and so on. And similarly, when we look at the people who, who don't, report having used homeopathy. What we find is what we call in in our paper uh, latent support for homeopathy. We actually find amongst non-users a a large group who who think that it is quite effective. That may depend on the specific complaint or or illness that you have, but a large group of non-users report that they believe homeopathy to be in some way effective at treating a range of illnesses. So that's, I suppose, the main finding, the main methodological finding of the paper is that we we can't treat reported use as being an unproblematic indicator of uh, an individual's views about the efficacy of CAM treatments. What we also go on to show in the paper is that this is, has consequences for uh, understanding the profile, if you like, of CAM use uh, or, or of the average CAM user. We want to understand what causes people to use these kind of treatments. In the past, you know, the, the conventional approach has been to, to run predictive models where we would predict the probability of, of use by someone's gender, their educational level, their income, and, and, and so on. And what we find in our paper is that depending on whether you specify your outcome as being use or beliefs about efficacy, you get a rather different profile, if you like, of the average uh, homeopathy supporter. Uh, we get a different picture of, of what motivates people to take these kinds of treatments.
0: In, in, in one respect, you're, you, you concluded that Pretty much more than half of UK adults appear to believe that homeopathy is as effective or more effective than conventional medicine. Did that surprise you? And, and, and do you feel you can stand by that conclusion?
1: Well, I, I have to sort of put a little caveat by that. I mean, the majority claim is one that subject to certain assumptions, if you like. Uh, and it, what we're doing is, I, I suppose, uh, interpreting the data in a way that, that, you know, that's the maximum that one could see the level of, of, of what we call support, being. I, I think it's, it, it doesn't surprise me that the level of support is very high in the, the British public. If you If you look at other... Uh, indicators that we've got in the in the welcome monitor survey nearly half of the population report having used one or more of six different kinds of, of CAM treatments. So there's a high prevalence of use of these products, and you can see it if you walk down uh, any high street and, 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 and so on. So it does, it, I don't think I was, I was particularly surprised given the existing data, but I think it, it, it may be surprising to, to people who are of, I guess, the, the more clinical trials kind of perspective who view use of these kinds of treatments as very problematic for public health. Not just surprising but 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 worrying it's important to add that with, with the the fifty percent figure, an important caveat to that is that we have to exclude a relatively large group of people who say they've never heard of, of homeopathy. I mean this is a standard approach to estimating public support for if you like you know politicians and and, and parties, but if we include those people in in our denominator, the level of Overall support is somewhat below 50%, but it's that's, that's not clear that that's what one should do because we don't know what these people would think about the effectiveness of homeopathy if we were more familiar with it. and That, that would be the, the key question that needs to be addressed.
0: Given all of that, then what would you say are the, the, the principal takeaways from this research and perhaps from the broader project as well to date?
1: One thing that policymakers would be interested in is, is that I think, the relatively high level of support for these kind of treatments. I think, interestingly, we find no relationship between people's level of scientific knowledge and either their probability of using homeopathy or their beliefs about efficacy. So it doesn't seem to be a kind of a a knowledge deficit issue here. What we do find are more predictive are people's attitudes to conventional medicine. People are somewhat distrusting of pharmaceutical industry, dissatisfied with the approach that one maybe gets in a GP consultation. Methodologically, the key point is that we can't carry on treating measures of reported use as being the same as someone's belief about the efficacy of these treatments is much more nuanced than that. And people's motivations for using these kind of treatments are very complex and nuanced themselves
0: and alternative medicine in general populations, use, and perceived efficacy is research by Paul Stoneman, Patrick Sturgis, and Nick Allen, due to be published soon by the Public Library of Science. You can read more about the research on the NCRM's website.